welcome unrivaled agents and investors from across North America. Today is Thursday, July 22nd, 2021, and this is Mastermind Podcast number 337. I think we'll make it to a thousand. I, I haven't done the math, but I can't believe we've done 300 of them, guys. We appreciate each and every one of you that show up. We particularly appreciate those that actively participate. We do have two in the queue now. If you would like to actively participate, just hit star six and then hit one. Bruce, any updates before we get started? No. Other than your dog, the health of your dog. Huh, yeah, other than the health. Uh, no, uh, no significant updates. We've had a uh, great role play call yesterday for the folks that have been through foundation. So if you want to join our, our monthly role play call, um, register for foundations and at least um, get on that foundations list. And then we'll let you into role play as well. And the ISA program is going well, working that into a pretty nice system. That's it. That's all I have. Yes, I'm seeing agents getting some deals these days where, where there was a, there was some struggle before. So good job for most of you going out and having those tough conversations that you're scared of. Just keep doing that. They're not difficult. And that's all I have. All right. And before we turn the recording on, Tim shared, still working on uh, probate cash and our other new program. And I, I won't give any details, but we have another one coming soon. So we're doing a program a week, and then it takes a few weeks to actually implement it. But we are getting close. Those of you that signed up as early adapters, you will have first shot once we get all the T's crossed and the I's dotted and everything ready to go. And hopefully that will be days or weeks and not months. But we're doing all we can to, to move forward with all of our new projects. So thanks to all of you that stepped up and were willing to, to be early adapters. We appreciate you. We do have three in the queue, so let's get to the queue. And again, if you would like to jump in there, just hit star six and then hit one. First up this week is from Charlotte, North Carolina, phone number ending in 9902. You're up first. Hi, guys. It's uh, Rick Wilson. How's everything with you all? I heard the chitter-chat. I understand the bot about the dog, and it sounds like Jim is recovering, so all is well. I dialed in today because, as most people are running into, I'm sure I'm new, relatively new to this, is that many of the cases I'm seeing are widowed folks where they're already automatically inheriting the homestead. It's a part of the law here. And it, it appears the vast majority of them are going to age in place. I think that's a trend. So as far as following up on them, knowing that what I think I know, by the way, and I'm not stating this unequivocally, and I think I know the majority of them are going to age in place. What's, what kind of practice should I follow? Because I know some will turn around a year from now, perhaps, and decide, no, this isn't such a good idea. I ought to go and move to Florida or I got to go move in, in with my child or children or whatever. So what do you guys find with these spouses who are aging in place? What's the best approach for them? Offer help with whatever you can. Okay. Offer help, provide. They're probably going to turn it down, by the way. Yep. So they're probably going to turn it down, but they will remember. I want you to follow it up with a personal note, just thanking them for the time. Follow that up with a in a, a letter size envelope, eight and a half by eleven. Doesn't need to be expensive. It just says, "I know you're staying in the house. In the in the rare event that you change your mind within um, six months or a year, do you think that you could keep this letter and call me? I think that I would probably be able to get you blank 
for the house. So put a little range in there and ask them Mm -hmm. in that letter to keep it and call you. Now, that's not going to be your last communication. You're probably going to follow up monthly or not monthly. You're probably going to follow up quarterly just on the phone from that point just to check in. Hopefully you're doing well. Wanted to see if there were any needs that you had. Um, You got everything covered at the house and just build a relationship with that person. But I want you to, I want them to have a note to remember you. And then within a few days or a week after that, have that letter that's asking them not to take your offer or the price range that you put in it, but to keep it in case they ever change their mind. And you'd be surprised the number of people, especially those that are aging in place, they'll put it in a drawer. They start thinking about selling and they say, somebody, I've got a letter here from someone that wanted to buy the house or wanted to offer or wanted to list or something like that. And they'll pull it out and call you, especially if they remember you because you're following up with check-in periodically as well. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I have a couple other things to add to, to what Bruce said. That's giving you exactly the right answer. What can you still provide value over? The other, A couple of other things. One, just to comment on the letter that you send. When you do get that letter out, point out in that letter that this is uh, based on today's market. But be aware, should you decide to sell in six months, we're in a very volatile market. Prices can change and all that. And if at any point you decide to do that, if you want to give me a buzz, I'll certainly give you a a, a more competitive view based on today's pricing. That way, if you've given a price of $200,000 and they know the market's gone up and all their neighbors are selling for, you know, $250, they're not going to call you back if you offered two. And if you tell them in advance the market price could change, you've given them a reason to call you back and see what it's worth today. That's one thing. The other thing I was going to say is it's a great opportunity to build a relationship with an attorney. And what I mean by that is that if you find that's going on, one of the questions you you might ask if you can get into a conversation and develop that relationship with the aging in place person, you can ask them if they've done what they needed to do to get their affairs in order and deal with their heirs and all that. And if you literally get to that level of conversation, it's a great opportunity to introduce them to an attorney that you've established a relationship with to help them do some future planning and financial planning and all of that. One last piece is also an opportunity for you to introduce them to a financial planning person because it's also usually the case that they've come into some additional money at the time of that. If they inherit the house, they may may have also inherited some finances that come with it. So it's all part of bringing the members of your team to bear on this and anything that's on your team that you can deal with if they need repairs or anything like that. There are a lot of things you can help with. So just offer help. You don't have to try to buy the house. They say they're aging in place. That's great. Let me help build a relationship. Make a friend. You'll make money when the time comes. And Rick, real quick question for you. Are you working your sphere of influence now? I know you're relatively new in the business, but do you regularly contact everybody when, hey, just want to remind you, and I'm in real real estate. How can I help you or anyone? Are you doing that now or not? I, I'm really my energy is being is focusing on making the calls, okay, and right. finding a lot of these folks. I can't call during the day. I have okay. to call at eight o'clock in the morning before they go to work. I'm talking about the heirs. Or no, no, I know. I'm just asking an unrelated question. Do you regularly contact your sphere of influence and your past customers or not? No, they're in Florida. I see. Okay. Yeah, the, the the reason I'm asking, I used to, if somebody told me I might do something in a year, I'd call them in six months, and I very often found out they had done something three months ago. So I learned not to believe 
the timeline that people gave me. And I got in the habit of just, I would call all of my past clients in my sphere once a month. Even if it was just a quick voicemail to just stay top of mind. And after a while, somebody like, it reminds me a little bit of Roger Lacey. He, he gets 30 leads in his market. He's done phenomenally well that everybody he meets in the probate transaction, the inspection company, the mortgage broker, the title company, the guy who cuts the grass, he, he just adds them all to his sphere. So I think he told us one time that his average probate transaction, he adds seven to 10 people to his sphere of influence. And he just farm. He used to call it farming, but it's not geographical farming. It's sphere of influence farming. Somebody like that, you might might want to put some kind of an automated system in place, whether it's sending a letter or just a quick phone call and leave a voicemail and just stay top of mind with somebody like that. You never know. And you don't even, you could take one of two approaches. Hey, I know you said you wouldn't be ready for a year. Just checking, see if you're ready yet. And okay, great. And then Ask the second question, do you know anybody else that I can help? If you're there to provide service and you start with helping them first, they won't mind you asking that second question, but do you have any referrals for me? So just a couple suggestions. And I interrupted no, no, you. You started to – you had a follow-up. No, I think you know, these are really great, great suggestions, and I'm going to I'm going to adopt as quickly as possible. I, like I said, my sphere is kind of not existent in this area. But I am sure. creating what I'm really driving and seeing in my mind, unless you tell me something different, I need to really spend a considerable amount of time developing relationships with the attorneys. And I am finding that I'm getting appointments with attorneys. I'm going in there and uh, telling them what we're doing differently, that they pull concierge service approach, service before the sale, and so forth. And they really appreciate it because they all know realtors. In fact, one complains is I know too many of them and many of them I don't like. I said, we're going to change that. So yep. uh, he, he was very good. I, I, see the, I see a great opportunity with the, with the attorneys. Excellent. Good job. Any, all right, well, all right sir. Well, as always, we appreciate your participation. We do have two more in the queue, guys. We have plenty of room for more. As I often say, just hit star six. And then hit one. In the meantime, next up is phone number ending in 5908. Hey, this is uh, Deb Coon from the Raleigh area. I just had a quick question. I spoke to a woman who was mentioning that she said she had to sell the house within a certain period of time because it was stated in the will. I don't think it was stated in the will about a certain period of time, but she was just saying that in the will, her mother had specified that the house was to be sold. So I didn't know if that was actually a real thing that there is a time frame on it she was even under the impression that she had to go to the court and get some kind of extension on the time because her brother was living in the house and they were all the siblings were in agreement to give him some more time but i didn't know if that just because it says in the will that the house is to be sold is there a time frame attached to that if it's not specified bruce have you ever heard of that before yeah Yep. Jim, I'm curious as to uh, your answer. Uh, this um, question sounds awfully familiar. I think I think for some reason, Deb and I have probably um, talked before. <laughs> my first, my initial answer was flippant. That it sounds like a realtor's performance clause. I'll list with you, but you got to have it sold in so many days because the will says. I guess you can put anything that's legal in a I can't imagine what the penalty would be, though, for failure to, to perform. I, I imagine that, are you trying to list it or are you trying to buy it, Deb, or, or either? Either, yeah. Okay. I was just more curious because I like to have the information, right, instead of, because the woman's telling me, she's saying, we have to sell it within a certain period of time. And I'm just like, oh, okay. But I really didn't know if that was true or not. 
Yeah, sure. I can't imagine that there would be any liability, if, but I would think they'd have to make, they would be obligated or the executor would, would you know, be obligated to at least to attempt to sell it in that period of time. Now, if it doesn't sell, I can't imagine, like you said, maybe you got to go back and get approval. I Personally, I've never heard of that before. Bruce, you said it sounds familiar. Have you, have you dealt with it or no? I spoke with uh, Deb briefly. I probably didn't give Deb. It's possible that maybe in my sleep or in my my fog the last couple of days, I didn't respond to that question. But it's true. There are a lot of people that will will go ahead and state in their will that the uh, real estate has to be sold. And sometimes they put a deadline in it. Sometimes they don't. In most cases, if it's a properly ex- written and executed will, then it will have a deadline in it. And uh, a lot of times it won't have any, it won't state what happens if it doesn't sell, if they tried, but it doesn't. So this is not probate related, but one of the wildest instances that I ever saw is just was a divorce decree. And in the divorce decree, the court dictated or decreed the house was to be sold. And so they split, the family split up. And there was a deadline for selling the house. The problem is we were in a down market and the the house was not worth what they owed on the mortgage. So we had to short sell the property. And as Jim and Pam know, short sales don't happen overnight. So while we were in the short sale um, processing period, we had a buyer. It was less than what was owed on the property. While we were in the middle of processing that uh, that payment, their deadline for selling passed. And the judge said to the husband, he said, why haven't you sold this house yet? And the husband said, I have a buyer. We're not closed yet, but I have a buyer. And the judge said, no, you had to have had it closed by now. And the the, buyer, the seller said, I, I have to short sell. And the judge said, I don't know what a short sale is. He ordered the husband to go to jail for contempt of court for 30 days for not selling the house. So husband's wow. sitting in jail for 30 days. He loses his job because he's in jail. He gets out of jail. He goes back to court. House is still in short sale, still waiting on approval. Goes back to court and the judge says, why haven't you paid your child support? And he says, because I've been in jail for the last 30 days and I lost my job. Judge holds him in contempt of court again, puts him back in jail for another 30 days. Ruined this guy's life all over a a decree that the courts had made. Now that's not going to happen in a case like this, but there are all kinds of things that certain legal documents might dictate or stipulate. And uh, for the most part, as long as you have a reasonable judge or a region, reasonable magistrate in North Carolina, then then most of them are going to honor the honest effort that someone is making. But typically, there's going to be a deadline. Deb, I know you don't know if there's a deadline. I bet that there would be a deadline. And that would be an instance where I would just say, hey, do you mind if I take a look at that will? I can't really give you advice until I see exactly what it says that you need to do. Can I get a copy of that? And and get them to provide a copy because that'll tell you exactly what you need to do and what they need to do and, and tell you how to help. Here's another real important issue there as well, and that is that if there is a time on the sale, in other words, let's just say that you looked at this and the date says September 30th, and you're sitting there as an investor and looking at it, it's important that for you to make a legitimate offer on the property. Here's why. And take take the exact circumstance that, that we just got through talking about. If you're in court and the house hasn't been sold, 
one of the questions the judge, and I've seen this before as well, the judge is going to ask is, have you received any offers on the property? Yes, Your Honor, we have. We received an offer for X. Sell the house. That's what the will says. And the judge can force the sale if they've got an offer. I've seen that happen before. More importantly, it's a place to start the dialogue. But if you are an investor and you run into that, get an offer on the table. Get a written offer on the table that you'd be willing to back up and then ask them for the ability to go through the thing do it without looking. Go blowball the offer to start with just to get on the table, not with the intent of buying it and, and be a predator, but force them, not force, but get the opportunity to go take a look and then make a firm, legitimate offer on it that you really would be willing to go deal with. Now you've gotten through the door and you can help them with that offer based on that timeline. But that's a great opportunity and, and kind of a cake waiting to be uh, sliced. Make sure you get an offer on the table. Gotcha. So if the will doesn't have a deadline, though, is there like a state mandated or whatever, some kind of a rule that... The problem is yeah. not a problem, but the issue is that if you've got a circumstance like that, usually it's a time is of the essence, move as quickly as you can, which basically in the real estate would be get it listed, get it on the market, and don't be in an unreasonable position. It will be forced by the other heirs if there's more than one heir and it's required to get sold one or more of the heirs is likely to force the transaction. And oftentimes it's to make sure that whoever's living in the house doesn't stay in the house and they want to get the house sold. So anything you can do to help that along, the court's going to move it along. And the relatives, if there's more than one, generally will be the driving factor in getting it done. And again, the same thing is there. As long as you represent a viable alternative to doing it and put an offer down, or if you're a realtor and you decide to you know, really push hard to get that listing, just lay the offer out there, getting it done and step up and make it happen. It's, if it's, mm-hmm. if there's, I'd also take what Bruce said, make sure you get, a, get to either look at the will or have them read that part of the will to you. And you can tell if they're legitimately mm-hmm. reading it, but you need to know what it says, what the verbiage says. Gotcha. And they won't think it's too personal. And then the other question I was going to have is, wouldn't it also be in public records if they're in probate, would the will be in the public records somewhere? Depends. Depends on where you are, who you are, and what your right to get it is. Mm-hmm. Yep. I haven't found that I can see that in North Carolina, Deb. I, mm-hmm. It could be county-specific. It could be clerk-specific. But I haven't found that I can get that. Here's the ultimate thing. So you asked if it was too personal. So, mm-hmm. Deb, if I said, hey, Deb, I know this uh, might be personal, but what? how much do you want to make per year in, in real estate? Is that too personal? You're probably going to say, yeah, that's a little bit too personal. I'm not comfortable sharing that. But if I said, Deb, what are your annual goals for real estate sales? You'd spit it right mm-hmm. out. So the way that you phrase that and the confidence that you use, uh, that you have when you ask the question will dictate what they do. So if you think it's yeah. too personal, they're going to feel like it's too personal because it's going to come across in your tonality. If hey, this is something that I ask for every day to help you better. I think I need to see a copy of the will. Is there a way that I can see that? Can you send me a copy or could maybe we... Gotcha. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you. Remember, you're building a relationship. And that's the most important thing about all this is you're building a relationship that's going to be built to last. And the closer you make that relationship, the less you got to worry about what you're asking. If they're convinced that you're there to help them, they'll tell you anything that you want to know. Anything having to do with that, they'll probably tell you more than you want to know. But if you get that relation mm-hmm. started and you show that you are demonstrating value and you're not out looking to rip them off and you really are there to help, they're going to they're gonna trust you and they're going to help. You've got to 
you sound great on the phone. You're going to do well when you do that. You sound friendly. Mm -hmm. That's good. And Deb, we've talked on these calls sometimes, find people's pain points. I'm sure you don't want to say to them, hey, sign the contract or you're going to jail, but that's about the most extreme pain point I've heard. But if you are aware what the will says, you it, it like Bruce just said, it, it's all how you phrase it. You could nicely say to them, if somebody's dragging their feet, you could nicely say, hey, as the executor of the will, your attorney, I, I don't need to tell you, your attorney probably already mentioned it, that you have the fiduciary to get this property on the market and get it sold as soon as possible. But you can remind them in a nice way without threatening that they're going to jail. That's a pretty extreme mm -hmm. example, but that's a good, I don't know we've ever brought that up on the call before. So thanks for the question. Appreciate it. All right. Does that help? Yeah. All right. All right. Next up in the queue this week is phone number ending in 5757. That sounds familiar. Hi, everybody. This is Douglas Congress in Seattle. Yeah. Hey, the reason I'm calling in is, is not because I have a question. I, I just want to tell you how impressed I am. Bruce, that call yesterday was amazing. And to anybody who hasn't been on it, I highly recommend it. Bruce, so much about sales. You're talking so many concepts together including NLP, which is so sophisticated, and I, I learned so much. Thank you. Thanks, Douglas. Appreciate it, man. And, and for everybody uh, on the call, we we pay Douglas a really high salary to call in and, and brag about the uh, training. I thought that was, isn't that your Uncle Doug? I thought that's your Uncle Doug, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> we thank you, sir. And as a subscriber, keep coming back. You're welcome to, to keep taking it. I'm going to start coaching with you guys. Awesome. Hey, you know what? If you have that aspiration, reach out to us, Doug. Give us uh, oh, give us looking at the phone number right now. I got, I got the website open. I'm gonna after this call that's when Hey Douglas, I have a Send question it. for you. What, on on the role play, what's the one if you had to say one key thing you took away from that call, what was it? What main big tip did you get? To be sensitive to where they're at in the process, to acknowledge that that's where they're at in the process and to don't force yourself on them. Let them know that you're there for them, that you have compassion for the situation, and that you're really listening. And, and in fact, I was going for all these quick objection handlers and all these quick closes. And it's like, like Bruce pointed out, did you even hear what she was saying? Because the idea of something I always do on a cold call is I, I, I often break into laughter. And when somebody's going through a probate situation, that's probably not the best time to be laughing. Not at all. But it's, it's like all the different levels of subtleties. I'm so excited because this has taken my sales skills to an old Yeah, way. unless you can laugh at their telling a joke, but otherwise, I've shared many times, Doug, when I first had this idea seven, eight years ago and I started prospecting, I used to say, I used to start with, I'm sorry for your loss. And I had a guy say, don't be, dying was the best thing that SOB ever did. And and so obviously he wasn't mourning, and so I said in that case congratulations, and he couldn't stop laughing. He said I, I like you, you got a sense of humor. So yeah, it's not typically a, a time to be funny, but like you just said, if you listen to them and listen to where they're at, sometimes humor can diffuse tensions. Nothing is ever always or never <laughs> that old expression, but I like the things that you took away from that call. And this was just the role play call. This wasn't. Was this part of Foundations, uh, Bruce, or was it was the separate role play call? The separate role play call that we open for anyone who's gone through Probate Foundations. Excellent. So it Excellent. is part of Foundations, and I try to make sure that only people who've at least signed up or minimum watched a Foundations class go through it because we're using specific, very specific techniques that are going to be foreign to you if you haven't taken Foundations, and we do it once a month. So that was yesterday.
Okay. Yeah, I want to repeat foundations just because they got so much out of it the first time. And that is free to all subscribers at very nominal cost if you'd like to take it and gain your confidence before you start subscribing. So either way, we'd like to have you. All right. Well, thank you, Douglas. Anything else we can help you with this week? No, I'm just excited. I can't wait to put this together. And, uh, you know, I, I, yeah, thank you, sir. I, I, I love the tool, so I'm just so grateful. Thank you. You're very welcome. We appreciate you, too. Guys, we're looking for the win of the week. We're looking for the idea of the week. Next up in the queue is phone number ending in 5575. Hey, can you guys hear me? We sure can. Yeah, I'm out in the country, so I have pretty bad service. My question, I have a couple questions, but I'll get to the most pressing one. I do home health physical therapy, and I work with a lot of elderly folks, several of which are interested in selling their properties. And I actually have some pamphlets that are being printed out by you guys now, the trifold brochures. And I'm trying to figure out how I can. Now, these trifolds, they have it on them, obviously. I'm wanting to, I'm trying to figure out how on my last visit with my patients I can. And I usually tell them that I buy and sell houses and my wife's a realtor. What do y'all think? Any ideas on a good way to give them this brochure? I, I was thinking maybe telling them, hey, look, I know y'all aren't going through probate, but. If you ever know anybody who does, or if you ever need to sell or buy any real estate, keep me in mind. What do y'all think is a good approach with that? Because I don't want to, I don't, I did actually buy a house. I actually wholesaled a house from one of my patients, but I don't want to be doing that too regularly. I want to not monopolize the time. I want to hear if Jim or Tim have anything to say, because I, I do, but I'll monopolize some time. Mine is just real oh, quick. On. Yeah, mine is, my response is that's really quick. What you said wasn't too bad. It was a pretty good way to disarm the conversation and say, I know you're probably certainly not, you know, in that situation right now. If you know anybody that is, this is something that I do, not just obviously if you're doing PT for them, they probably think a lot of you because you've made them feel better. You got a great opportunity to just say, hey, in addition to doing this, I also do this. I've got this brochure made and this kind of focuses on probate because I specialize in working on people that do that. But if you or anybody who's interested, if you could let them know, here's a brochure for what I do. You've already disarmed it. You've already got them on your side. You don't have a real hard time right. handing it to them. Absolutely. And one more question. Yeah, no, I, I think your approach is great. And, and again, what we were just talking about with, with the last couple of people, it, it, don't be afraid if you're in a position where you come in contact with them helping them one way. Don't be afraid to offer to help them another way. Don't feel like you're taking advantage. If you do it in the right way and you have their best interests at heart, there's really nothing wrong with that. There's, I've seen school teachers that do business with listed to sell property to their, to their class. One of my oldest kids is a manager at Costco. He, he only does maybe a dozen years, a uh, dozen deals a year, but they're all with Costco employees. <laughs> they all know, go see Todd if you want to buy or sell your house. So there's, there's nothing wrong with that. I, th I think use your relationship to leverage people. And if you do it in a way do you have the intent of helping them? I think that's great. Okay. Thank Bruce? You so much. And one other quick question, I, guys. I uh, want to hear, uh, forgive me, I want to hear your other question, and then I'm going to give you two answers, one one to the, the previous question, because I have a, a slightly different take on it. But go ahead with your second question first. Yes, sir. I'm, I signed up with David Pinnell with his marketing course, and I'm trying to, I do not have Sierra, which he recommends. I actually, my wife actually has KV Core because she's with EXP, and I think mm -hmm. KV Core their CRM has a pretty good a pretty good follow up system a CRM, but we're using batch we're using batch leads and batch dialer, which is a little bit buggy. But David suggested not to put all of your 
all of the probates you're getting from the county into these into your CRM and instead just put uh, warm leads in there or people that you've actually spoken with, which I think is mm-hmm. good because it's not going to it's going to keep my CRM from getting bogged down. But I guess the question is, when I'm going through these leads with the dial, I'm having trouble keeping track. I feel like if I go through one by one and use the predictive dial or the, the single line dialer, I feel like it's going to be really slow. But then I can also look at the phone numbers that I'm getting and say, okay, this number's disconnected. I can be a little bit more meticulous with my bookkeeping or my attention to detail on these leads versus a three-line dialer where I'm probably going to speak to more sellers or administrators, but I may... I don't know if I'm going to have issue with the the phone, the bogus phone numbers, or it's going to it, it's going to be a little bit easier to overlook them because I'm only going to be getting connected to one one person, and many of the calls aren't going to go through, and that that mm-hmm. whole issue. So, what do y'all suggest with that as far as the dial versus a CRM, putting the warm leads or all the leads? Um, because I do yeah. want to follow up with the uh, emails and the text messages and all that. So I'm trying to figure out a way to do that. So actually, I say actually like I would disagree, but I agree with David's approach. Dialer on cold leads, uh, CRM or whiteboard on warm leads. We put, uh, we'll use typically a single line dialer, mainly because I want to go in and I want to be updating the all the leads platform. I want to be making my notes. I want to be taking out any dead phone numbers or bad phone numbers, any put a blindfold on, walk in front of traffic. I want to take that out of my campaign. Okay, updating that. When I get a good, nice, warm lead, I'm either going to work that warm lead out of my um, company or my business CRM. Or if you are a pen and paper type of person, you, you need to move that lead over to a whiteboard where you see it every single day. The problem with most CRMs is the user, not the CRM. Most people don't log in and look at their CRM every day and keep an eye on it. So if, if that's you, if you're not in the habit of watching your CRM, you probably ought to work off of a whiteboard that you are going to see every day. Now, if you're good at using a CRM, just switch your warm leads over to that and work on work on from there at that point. And I, I take them out of my dialer the second that I have a good conversation and I identify them as someone that I, I want to do a real estate deal with. Awesome. Okay. All right. Now, can I go back to your first question or do you want some clarity on that one? I think that's great. I just wanted to get confirmation on that because that's the same way I was. Okay. Perfect. All right. First question. I've got a little bit of a different different spin on this. I never, so I'm always going to give someone an opportunity to feel like they're the person that brought up the topic. I want to, I want to give people um, the chance to not see through my technique or my approach. And I'll give you an example as it does, that does not relate to probate or does not relate to your situation that you mentioned, but it's still an example of this. When I was doing open houses, I would um, ask people on my third interaction with them, I'd ask, so how does this house compare with, with the others that you've been with? I used to find that when I'd meet someone at the door and I'd hand them a sign-in sheet and say, do you have a realtor? 90% of everyone would say yes. And I think around half of the 90 were lying to me. But they would see, oh, if I say yes, he will leave us alone. So I started asking, how does this compare with other houses you've been looking at? And suddenly I went from 90% of people that had a realtor to 30% that had a realtor because they didn't know that I was really asking about their relationship with another agent. They would say, oh, no, we we haven't looked yet. Or, hey, we're just moving to town or various different responses that um, would tell me whether they were working with an agent or not. So I want to do the same thing 
with the situation that, that you have when you're going into people's houses. You walk in, you're having conversations. I want you to reference maybe the bones of the house. Oh, this is a beautiful house, great bones. As someone who's bought a few houses before, this is a great house. I love it. How do you like it? Okay, how do you like it? This is going to be key because now you're turning the conversation over to them. And it's amazing how many people are going to say to you, eh, and you're going to get, you're going to, you're going to hear that. You're going to hear something in their voice where you can tell that maybe, just maybe, they're thinking about moving or they're tired of the stairs if they're aging or this yard is a lot to handle. Okay, so I want you to ask questions that give them an opportunity to to clue you in to any pain that they might have. And then normally, as soon as I get even a hint of a clue, I go, uh-oh, what's wrong? And then, then they'll start telling me what they're dealing with. Yard's too big, tired of climbing the stairs. My daughter's trying to get me to move to Florida, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so what do you think you're going to do about that would be the next question. And now they're telling you what they're thinking about. Yeah, we're probably going to sell. Well, actually, I work with people that are downsizing all the time. Would you guys be open to an offer if I brought you? Okay, and then you can pull your brochure out. But I want you to have a little bit more information before you just whip a brochure out and say, here, I help people I help people sell houses or I buy houses or whatever the case is. I want you to have a little bit more information so that it's pertinent and relevant to the discussion and it's not out of the blue. I don't want you just like changing gears and dropping a brochure in their face even if it's delicately, without that, without really having any information, whether it's something that they're even thinking about or open to. I'd like to use some of those questions to start to transition your conversation over into real estate. And that's going to make that, that those topics and that brochure a lot warmer and a lot more something that they're probably going to hold because now they have a conversation to go with it. It's not just what their uh, therapist gave them. It's what you in the real estate business with great questions and a great real estate-based conversation gave that person. Thanks, man. Looking forward to Foundations. Yep. All right. All right. And by the way, I think you mentioned the next guy's name, David Pinnell. Oh, nope. David's in the queue. I'm sorry. Before David, next up is phone number ending in 9877. And David, you'll be next. Are you there, 987? Yes, sir. Can you hear me? All right. This is Chris in Georgia. Hey, Chris. I got a question I need to run across the uh, marketing side. I put myself in a pickle. I'm trying to put a blog out to put on my website to address the uh, the probate process and offer those services for uh, people that are needing that. And in the process, I interviewed a couple of our local probate attorneys to get more information on it. When I sent the final review, the first draft to the attorneys, both of them pretty much told me, this is completely wrong. We don't want to have anything to do with you. Don't contact us again. So now I'm having to backpedal and find out what I did wrong and why they're not even willing to look it over and tell me what was wrong about it. It's possible that you just got too, too jerk. And, and my only, my only rule in my business is that I don't do business with a-holes. So. Maybe that's a blessing in disguise that you sniffed that out. Or maybe, maybe you presented your request in the wrong way. Maybe you went in saying, hey, I'm a probate expert, and they got in their mind that you knew exactly what the process was, and all of a sudden, you, they were viewing you as an expert, and you dropped wrong information in front of them, 
And they were like, oh, we thought this guy knew what he was doing. He doesn't. So it's possible that you were painted in the wrong light to begin with. So the way that I try to put my position myself to an attorney is, hey, you know what? I'm just offering some services that I hope are um, relevant. I'm learning what I'm doing, but I'm a hard worker and I try to go out of my way to make your job easier and their life easier. Do you think you could take a look at, at what I have and tell me where I'm wrong? And That'll to clarify that, I put I got on the phone with both of them for about 30 minutes, and I told them, look, I'm doing a blog. I need some information to, to do this blog for my website, and I want to reference you in it. So what can you tell me about this, that, and the other pertaining to Georgia probate? So I told them exactly what it was I was doing, it, but like I said, when I sent the, uh, the first revision, said, can you review this and, and make sure it's right? That's when they came back with, this is completely wrong. Uh, we don't want to be affiliated with it. Okay. So either, either either you're just not clarifying. It sounds like you clarified your position just fine. Maybe you're not as clear as you thought you were, or they're just jerks, and you're better off without them. Did you cite, so did you cite law in your, in your trifold? Do you have sections where you are citing the law? I started out with the introduction, and then I went into the first part of the probate process referenced by one of the local funeral homes and how they direct people to either the probate attorney, the city health department, or the local probate office. And then I went into what each attorney told me about different parts of it, and I referenced them as the uh, the resource for that information. And then I concluded with the finals and wrapping up the uh, the probate process. But they're the two main probate uh, attorneys in the area. So anybody else around here either doesn't specialize in probate or I really don't trust their opinion. <laughs> Did you cite them by name in your article? I cited the office. Well, I actually, yeah, I did cite the, the resource and the office they were affiliated with. Yeah. One of the problems that often happens is attorneys don't like to be quoted. And what I mean by that is they typically don't like to have people attribute things to them in writing that they may have said because it'll, it will come off as either you're offering legal advice or maybe what you said could be construed by someone else as something different than what they said. And that probably is the reason why. And they just wanted to wash their hands of it and say, no, don't use my stuff. And one, just quick thing I can tell you is the easy way to get your answers is go buy, literally buy an hour of attorney's time. And I don't know, Bruce may have a different answer for this also, but typically if you're going to pay them for their time, they'll give you what you need by buying that hour of time. And I might want to go back and make that offer to one or the other of them and say, look, I, you may not want to work with me, but I need to understand why, because we were talking before and all that. I'd like to buy an hour of your time. I'm serious about this. I want to get this right. And let me know what's going on here, because I'm trying to do a good job. Don't give up. Yeah, right. Jim, yeah, I was yeah. going the same. Go ahead. I had the same idea that I wonder if they both didn't like the fact that they were the only one being quoted, too. Maybe they Maybe if they are the, each other's main competitors, they didn't realize another attorney was going to be part of it. We're all just guessing. But one thing Tim said that it, that I think it's brilliant, we haven't talked about this in years ago, must have been three, four, or five years ago, we had a, one of our subscribers that noticed an attorney in his market was dominating the market, just doing multiple deals every month. Couldn't get the time of day, called, stopped by, couldn't get an audience with him, so he did exactly what Tim just said. He called the, spoke to the gatekeeper and said, 
I have a matter I'd like to discuss with the attorney. What's his hourly rate? Gave a credit card. He went and booked and paid for an hour to sit down and pitch the attorney on working together. And it worked great for him. The attorney said, all the years, I've never had anybody pay me to try to, to, try to work with me. That's not a bad idea, really. But who knows? <laughs> until, you, until you talk to one of them, we're all just guessing. But those are all the theories. I'd be interested to see which one is correct. Yeah, how far are you willing to go? Exactly. Yep. And also, uh, the foundation... The next foundation is in August? Yeah. Per- okay. All right. I think that's the yeah. date I saw. All right. That's it for me then. Thank right. you, sir. And right now, the last one up in the queue this week is Mr. David Pinnell. How you doing, David? Hey, guys. I'm, I'm good. I'm in a coffee shop, so i got to be a little softer. But hey, on the we'll talk for Bruce, Bruce. Have you covered- had your coffee yet? Yeah, a couple. <laughs> good. Go ahead. Yeah, Bruce covered it pretty good about CRMs. But the idea is just to have – my goal is to have two people at it a day from the calls. It doesn't have to be – you call on the probate people, you're going to get leads. and Or you're going to find other investors on that list. Or you're going to find people that – they're not going to sell a house. They're, they're the executor of that estate, so they are very responsible. You want – if they'll add you – if you could add them to your referral list or mention that you're going to pay them for referrals, it's pretty powerful. So it's just not everybody's going to sell a house now. So – the goal is only to have the two added, and and we have to keep the perspective of the age group. If we just shove everybody into an automated system, at their age group, they're not going to ever connect with you. So it's always going to be that issue. They're 60-plus years old selling their parents' house or somebody, typically, on average. So we just ask for permission to send them something, usually market updates, emails, or our resume. And it just it works. I just wanted to say that. Yeah, David, you two a day, that's uh, 522 people a year. Yeah. How many of those do you think you're going to pull and, and get some business out of if you add 500? It's working out to about 50 deals a year. 50, so 10, about 10%. Yeah. Um, 10 version on those you put in. That's amazing. Yeah. And, David, you do a ton of business. How many people do you have in your database now? It's got to be massive. I have 187 people. I have a, the conversation started with probate. 211 others. So I have about 400 contacts that I'm constantly talking to about selling their house once probate's complete. But then I have buying the probate plus, I got another 557 in there that I'm prospecting. So it's just constant. And some graduate or get fired and others get added right. to take their place. Yeah. Or or you get referrals from the people that you've talked to and it's just amazing. And those are opportunities there. So it's sure. If you're not willing to make the call, you can send the letters. That's fine. But if you're not willing to make the initial relationship connection, that age group just needs it. And yeah, yeah, you, you can't shove them into a Zillow plan or a a regular seller plan because they're not opening that stuff. And then if you put them on a 21 day follow up, it's beautiful. You may not have to call them in 21 days. You may just send them a text message. But once you have the permission to do so, it's so fun. And so, what, how do you get to the real estate um, question? Somebody is somebody goes, yeah, we're just getting started. We're we're not really think, ready to even think about the house. What do you do? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question, Bruce. So have you, do you know the value of the house that you inherited? No, not yet. Probably somewhere in the maybe 350 to 4 range, I'm guessing. Nice, man. Has there been any updates to the house? Have you been in the house? Yeah, I, I go over there a couple of times a week to clean it out, cut the grass, stuff nice. like that. So it needs a little bit of work, I think. Have you found anything we're saving or any trinkets that are antiques? 
oh man, I I don't know. I I'm sure there's some of it, but it probably just has sentimental value. Yeah, when the family's not fighting over that stuff, it's fun to to go through it. Are you doing it by yourself, or do you have other siblings that are helping you out? I can't get my siblings to help me out. I got a cousin that comes over and helps me every now and then. Yeah, that sucks, man. If you need any help, we we have a team. I have a guy that I work with all the time to help you go through some stuff and help you organize it. So if you need something like that. Okay. What's your plan when you get everything done and situated and get through the courts? Probably, I'm going to I'm gonna guess we're probably going to sell it. Hadn't really talked about that yet, though. Yeah, a lot of people don't. Hopefully, uh, you, know, you, you said you're going there quite often, so you're, at least you're looking at it. Have you got insurance protected for being uh, vacant? We got insurance. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, they recommend you have uh, insurance in the property on these things when they're vacant. So just in case there's a fire or some kind of damage to it, a burglary. I hate to mention that uh, yeah. stuff. So that's negative, but yeah, yeah, we have something to look out for. Okay, good. What's yeah. um, where are you guys at in the the process with the courts? I don't know. I got to talk to my attorney. I hadn't talked to him for a little bit. I think I think it's moving along. Okay, that's good. You've been you just started, or you kind of you feel like you've done some paperwork for the attorney, or have you accomplished some of the lists that he wants, the inventory and stuff? We've filled out some paperwork, but but I, I don't know I don't know what list. Yeah, sometimes they do inventory of what's in the house, the furniture, vehicles, or assets. It just gives you an idea of what all is gonna what they need to oh, sell okay. in the process in the probate process. So something like that. I just get an idea of where you're at. So. If you haven't talked to the attorney in a while, maybe they're working for you, maybe they're not. But I run into a lot of times that just they're not doing much for you. Oh, okay. What 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 do I do if they're not? I would switch. <laughs> I would switch attorneys, but I'd definitely call them and ask them if they got everything that you need to to handle the the process. At least see when you're going to be able to sell the property if that's what your goal is, or to take ownership of it. I'd definitely follow up with them and see what they're doing. Okay. Yeah, I can do that. I can do so that. you have a timeline because. We're here to help you. I have a whole team. I have attorneys. I have insurance guys, everything that you need to help you along. So if they're not doing anything, I'd love to step in and, and help you. But ultimately, I'd love to be your realtor, interview for the job or something like that in the future if you need that. So just continuing building the rapport with you. I just If you had a timeline off, off role play, I'm just trying to establish timeline, siblings, what's in the house, where you're at. And then I'm going to say, hey, share with the market updates and emails. And I'm going to send you my resume so you have a face to the Dave, name when I follow up with David, you. David, we're almost up to the top of the hour. If you don't mind me sharing an observation, I'll, I want to ask you a question, if I may. And I learned from Bruce earlier, I shouldn't ask you how much money you're going to make this year. So I'll say, David, how many transactions are you going to close this year? <laughs> or how many did you close last year? Just ballpark. I, they're getting to be better deals because they're okay. all investment stuff. So my goal used to be... In 2019, we did 121 deals. This year, I'll probably do a little over 50. I'm not in the okay. I'm not in the race anymore to get as many. I'm in the race to to leverage the, the transaction. Yeah, quality rather rather than quantity. The reason I ask is because as a third party listening to that, I, I find that so many agents try to sound like too professional. They try to sound like the radio disc jockey who's yeah. polished and professional and giving a presentation. Man, you just sounded like the good old boy next door who was having a conversation with a friend. And you ask dozens, dozens of questions. People underestimate the power of a question. With questions, you can lead somebody to the conclusion that you want them to reach. But who are they yeah. going to believe? Something they tell themselves or something you tell them? 
So it's just right. a masterful job, and I just wanted people to know the production you're doing, and the, the, I can see why. It just it comes across as very non-threatening and very helpful. So great job. And it's just conversation. It's, it just goes down to you got to – when I hire people to make these calls, I listen to the recordings, and I'm like, you're asking the next question, but you're not listening to what they just said. So mm-hmm. it's not about it's not about affirming what they said. It's not about a lot of your coaches will say yeah, you got to repeat what they said or affirm it, but it, it's about asking another question on top of that question that they answered, and it just furthers sure. and, and gets more in depth. Bruce was Bruce is good, and I'm fairly good, but it's I couldn't You're, we couldn't really I was asking questions, but I couldn't really get anywhere. But my next step would have been to get an email. And then I'd say, hey, can I just follow up with you in the next 21 days, 30 days? Because it doesn't seem like they're in a big rush to go anywhere. So that excites me because then I have another contact. And then as I build up that relationship over four months, I'm going to get that deal. Yeah. Great job, buddy. We're out of time, but I really a great way to close the call. I, I think you probably inspired and a lot of people on this call, and I know we, we all learned a lot from you. So we always appreciate you, man. Come back every week and share. All thank right. You. Make the calls. Yes. Thank you, sir. It, if you're not going to make them, if you're not, get an ISA to make them for you. But either way, don't just depend on the mail. Like he said, mail is great, but it just sets them up. You got to get on the phone and, and close them. So guys, yeah. I want to thank each and every one of you for being here. I want to particularly thank everybody who actively participated. And I want to challenge all of you. Had some great nuggets, some great things we learned, especially towards the end of the call. Take one thing that inspired you on this call, go out and put it into practice, and please come back next Thursday and share your results with the group. Have a great week, everybody. Talk to you same time next week.